as a customer i don't know who is owning what or you know i am only trying to get my job done i don't care right. about who is the owner and who is not it's all the internally how we are structured and you know all those things this episode kind of taught us that we need to be thinking about it more from a customer perspective rather than our internal silos and internal departments and what not Welcome to the Human Insight Podcast, where we help you bridge the empathy gap to bring you a valuable, new understanding of some of the most innovative ideas and trends shaping the future of business and customer experience. Hi, everyone. I'm Janelle Estes, Chief Insights Officer at User Testing. And today we're very excited to have Harsha Tai join us on the Human Insight Podcast. Harsha is the Senior Manager of User Experience Research at T. Rowe Price, and his story, which you'll hear more about today, is captured in our book, User Tested. Thanks so much for joining us today, Harsha, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Janelle. So you're currently the Senior Manager of User Experience Research at T. Rowe Price. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your role in your team and what you're focused on? Sure. Yeah, I'm managing the UX research function within uh, our individual investors business unit. Two years ago, um, I was tapped to set up the first UX research function within Tiro Prize. Um, Right now, it's just a small team of two. uh, While our mission is to work on uh, strategic projects, we also have a heavy focus on um, setting up the research program, the research ops, uh, you know, maturing the UX research function, um, setting up right tools, um, and helping enable democratization of research uh, within Prize. Fantastic. Can you uh, share a little bit about how you partner with other teams to make sure that you're delivering great experiences for your customers? Yeah, so just to give a little context of where the UX research function sits within the organization, we are part of the design and user research team that sits under a marketing umbrella. Uh, But uh, our teams uh, support both agile marketing parts um, as well as agile product teams as well. At a very high level, the work that we do is kind of categorized into two buckets, really. Strategic projects such as generative work that we do with like broad scope personas, uh, journey maps. We also do evaluative studies that um, help address the business priorities. Second bucket is more surrounding uh, being a consultative role, helping these uh, marketing and product teams figuring out the best ways to answer the research question. We collaborate with uh, data business intelligence teams. We talk to frequently talk to client-facing associates, whether they are like relationship managers or you know call center folks uh, who take calls uh, from our clients. Uh, we also work with um, voice of the customer teams. The idea here is that we want to ensure that the insights that are being shared back with, to our stakeholders are well-rounded from various perspectives so that our our stakeholders can make confident decisions, really. So it sounds like you're using lots of different data, per se, data from you know, the BI team, data science, also data coming in from people, you know, interacting with, with your customers and then also survey related data, right? Yes. That are coming in from your customers and, and sort of pulling all that together with that, that hu- bringing that human element to it. 
that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, as with any big companies, right, or any normal companies, our stakeholders are more focused on numbers because it's much more easier for them to relate to it. So mm-hmm. our job here is to bring that human uh, perspective and qualitative insights uh, that can help uh, support answers in a more deep way where numbers can give you a high level picture of what is going on. Um, but just trying to understand the underlying reasons, right? So that's where our team comes in and helps. Yeah. Great. And it sounds like you have a model where you take on some of the work on behalf of uh, the teams or stakeholders that you partner with, but you're also setting others up to do some of this as well on their yes. own. Is that true? That's true. That's exactly true. Because being a small team, so we don't have enough bandwidth right now to be able to support all the research studies that are requests that are coming in, right? So a big part of our job is also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, from a research program, research function, research ops, whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, We want to make sure that we help people that are interested in doing research themselves, right? Whether it is setting up pre-built screeners, pre-built audience templates, for example, pre-built test templates, ways to take notes, for example, you know, all kinds of templates and also obviously sharing out um, the report templates as well. So uh, a large part of that work also that I'm focused on right now is making sure we get access to our target audience in a quick, uh, efficient manner, right? While we know that um, user testing does a great job of being able to provide quick insights, um, some of our uh, target audience are very niche and that requires us um, going a little uh, outside of the user testing panel, for example, and uh, trying to set up like custom panels and whatnot, right? So it not only helps the research teams, but also helps others, uh, you know, who are uh, who want to conduct research. Yeah, I can imagine that that is um, one of the larger challenges of working in a research team that, you know, for, for T. Rowe Price, that is where you have such a broad range of people that you want to connect to. And I can imagine that you building that connection, you building a panel of people or a network of people for others to tap into, it's super valuable, even if it's used beyond just user testing. Right, exactly. Yep. In thinking about your team and the impact that that you have at T. Rowe Price and, and on the business, are there certain um, metrics or KPIs that your team either directly or indirectly influences? Uh, and, and how, if so, how do those map to your company's strategy and purpose? Yeah, so we're not yet at a stage where we measure the KPIs and OKRs that we Uh, impact directly at this point. But talking broadly at a business unit level, right, our work indirectly influences some of the client service KPIs, things such as client effort scores, client satisfaction, you know, we measure it through NPS um, and redemptions, redemption rates, you know, various types of uh, outcomes. We also do uh, measure uh, or influence indirectly the conversion rates, right? Um, And um, that we kind of measure, uh, you know, whether it's a marketing funnel or a you know, account setup funnel or whatnot, we do measure conversion rates, you know, obviously answering questions for why there is a drop off at a certain point uh, in the experience, right? Uh, but going back, how do how do they map back? All these KPIs, um, they 
in turn ladder back up to our org objectives, right? Um, whether such as delivering on business outcomes, whether it is new sales, new clients, whatnot, uh, as well as improving uh, client engagements uh, and client outcomes, right? Um, so those are org objectives that these KPIs in turn ladder back up to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So there's, you know, very tangible sort of business related KPIs, like conversion rates, like you mentioned. Um, But then, you know, interesting that you're also looking at these broader measures around things like the customer effort score, which is is so important to have a regular pulse on that because... Once you get people in the door and, and you you hit hit your uh, goals for those conversion metrics, you have to make sure that the experience that you provide is low effort, right? Yep, and so, absolutely, um, uh, it's great to hear that you're also looking at sort of the 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 long tail of the experience as well. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the conversion rate piece because I know that was a big part of you know the story that we featured in our book uh, around how T. Rowe Price was able to, and your team specifically, was able to impact uh, the the conversion rate within the account setup flow. So I was wondering if you could tell us kind of in your own words, um, you know, tell us the story, you know, what was the challenge? um, How did you approach it? And and what were, what, what did you find? And what were the results? Yeah, absolutely. So this was from a f- few years ago when uh, Tiro Prize started going down the path of investing in digital transformation. And uh, I was part of the first pa- pilot journey, I guess, first or pilot journey where we were looking to upgrade our uh, new account opening experience. So as part of uh, upfront you know, research, we did some generative research to identify what kind of needs our uh, audience are looking for uh, from the product uh, that we were uh, looking to implement. And we did some design sprints and we went through like 16-week MVP basically at that point. And uh, one fine day after 16 weeks, we launched the MVP. And then on a Friday morning, our product owner comes back to us and says, so the very first page of the experience, uh, we are looking at like a 35 or 37% drop off that we just launched like a week ago or something. It was actually very surprising to us because it was a fairly uh, simple page, not really looking at uh, getting too much information from our clients. We were really looking at asking for people's names, their age, their email, and how much they're planning to invest. So it was just four fields. We were testing it every single week. Um, We've gone through like weekly sprints. We went through roughly about 75 test participants. We didn't, fi- we didn't find any. Obviously, we had changed the experience to make sure we were addressing the feedback. But that was like a big surprise to us to see a 37% drop off on the very first page. Based on, uh, we were fairly confident in all the research that we had done uh, until that point, right? So there must be something that is not mapping here because we did 75 people talk through this and they were okay with it. And now we, why are the qual and the quant not matching up, right? Essentially at this point. So we had a, uh, we had a 
hypothesis that maybe it's not because of the experience here, um, the experience that we were focused on. So uh, we quickly launched an unmoderated study in user testing same morning. We showed the page that people uh, see before they'll get into the new account experience. And we just were asking them, what are your expectations when you click this button? And we immediately got the feedback. I mean, by lunchtime, we had the uh, videos back. Uh, we looked at, watched the videos, and we've quickly found out that we were really razor focused on the account opening experience, that we had not put much thought and effort into the experience that surrounds the account opening experience. So that's where we heard participants talk about, uh, I would like to know more details about the process, uh, what information is expected out of me, you know, things like that, before they actually are ready to open account. Right after lunch, we shared the feedback back with our product owner, and we were able to quickly set up a user story mid-sprint, um, and uh, we, we prioritized that and we launched at the end of the sprint. So we were able to very quickly pivot um, based on that, and it did help address uh, the drop-off rates uh, for that at that point, yeah. Yeah, I love this story because, you know, I think the team probably had a cer certain hypotheses around why people were, were dropping, but until you actually talk to... Yeah real people and real customers that put themselves in that sort of scenario, it was different, right? From, from their perspective, was the team surprised when, when you brought those learnings? Yes. So we did prepare our product owner to say, Hey, don't worry. I mean, it's 16 weeks, right? That's a long time, even for an MVP for that matter. Right. We were so razor focused on that. Our mission was only to update that portion of the experience and not like the, so technically speaking, the product owner, there was a different product owner for the experience that leads into new account setup, right? So mm -hmm. we kind of had to prep um, both the product owners to say, this is what we are seeing. It's not that somebody is, you know, it's not that someone that fault. It's more about, you know, we need to think about it end to end rather than thinking about it as, oh, this is my journey and that is someone else's journey really, right? I mean, there were a lot of good things that, we found and uh, during all the testing that we did. And uh, it's just that we were not fully thinking end to end, like how we should have been thinking. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really where uh, that uh, feedback comes in, you know, being able to quickly get the feedback. And we, may, we to your point, Janelle, we may all have hypotheses, but we need to kind of back it up with some kind of uh, data, right? Um, so that's where uh, this experience really helped us pivot back and change uh, some of the thinking there. Yeah, ah, that's an element of the story I didn't know yet, Harsha, <laughs> that, that the experience that you were looking at was owned by two different teams, which right. I have seen that many times before. And so, yeah, it's so important to be looking at the experience through the eyes of your customer, right? Yeah. Even as they bounce between these two parts of the experience that are owned by two different teams. Yeah, um, it is. It is. I mean, as a customer, I don't know who is owning what. Or, you know, I am only trying to get my job done. I don't care right. about who is the owner and who is not. It's all the internally how we are structured and you know all those things. This episode kind of taught us that 
we need to be thinking about it more from a customer perspective rather than our internal silos and internal departments and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, what I find, what I also love about this story is that you're able to address the real challenge here for the business, which was the, the drop-off rate. So by identifying the issue, talking to a handful of people, understanding what the real challenge was, addressing that, and then resolving uh, <laughs> the, the issue of people dropping off is a, is a great, great story. How would you say, like, I'm curious to understand how that experience, that, that story sort of beyond just the particular problem you were solving in that scenario, how did that potentially elevate the importance of this work? How has it built up sort of the brand, if you will, of, of, of listening to customers through things like user testing and gathering human insight? Like, talk a little bit about maybe what that's been like. I would certainly say that having access to a quick way to get feedback uh, is a big deal for us because prior to that, we were using a different provider and you know, it was it was not easy to get feedback, not the right people, it takes some time, you know, all those things, right, that typically are kind of associated with research being time and money, you know, costing time and money, right? But in terms of um, getting a shared understanding, right, um, uh, we were able to clearly show the value of uh, having access to the right tool and and then it's also from a shared understanding perspective, right? At that point, we were not yet mature to have like clear personas, for example. We had an idea, but it was not like clearly documented. And so uh, what that uh, what that really helped us was um, when, when I was going and talking to different people in different functions and asking them, who is our target audience, right? It, we are... I used to get slightly nuanced, slightly, uh, you know, different uh, answers. I immediately, I knew that, you know, we all needed to align on uh, who our target audience was, right? I would say that that particular experience was like kind of a precursor to us going down the path of developing broad scope personas, uh, making sure that we put a human face because we always had client segments, uh, but those are all numbers. Uh, how do we put a human face to that? So this kind of spoke to the importance of being aligned uh, and also putting on a human face for our cl- target client segments. I would say this um, particular experience kind of you know helped us realize the importance and the need to align. And uh, we were able to produce some broad scope personas as a follow-up research after that, um, which was good. Yeah, so a big win helped sort of evolve yes and mature it a little bit to be able to introduce some of sort of the, the next step in the process of aligning people around not just a single experience, um, but more thinking about more broadly, broadly about yes. you know, who are our customers, how do we want to align around them? How do we build this shared understanding? And most importantly, how do we help everyone connect to them as human beings, not right. just numbers, market segments <laughs> or, you know, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of data. Yep, absolutely. That's uh, that's very critical and uh, very important. So as you build this momentum, you know, you've 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 shown shown the value through different specific scenarios, you've started to pull together personas. Like 
what's what's next on your uh, yeah. on your list uh, in terms of the trajectory of your of your team and the practice at T. Rowe Price? The next step for us is really to evolve um, and. Um, in terms of research maturity, I kind of, I like Jared Spool's model, research maturity. We kind of went through, uh, I guess, um, trying to identify where we fall in those, I think he had uh, phase zero through six or something to that effect. Um, and we, we, we did kind of an audit of what types of methodologies are we using, things like that. And we found where we were. So my job is also to help us Okay, while it's great what we're doing and it's been successful, we need to also move up the research maturity, right? Whether it is using, uh, you know, more advanced research methodologies, whether longitudinal studies, field studies, you know, things like that. That's one thing. And the other thing, um, Janelle, as you are uh, aware, um, last year uh, we started working on empathy program as well. We had consulted with you, I think, middle of last year on some ideas that we were playing around with. I'm happy to inform that uh, we have gone through a couple of iterations uh, where we had uh, some of our leadership folks conduct one-on-one -on -one interviews with our target audience to understand their needs, their motivations, you know, and more importantly, to your point, connecting on a human-to-human -human level. It's not just about a number that you see on a dashboard, right? How do you empathize with another person who is your client, right? So we received great feedback from that. Uh, we've also since rolled out like watch parties for people that are, you know, direct reports to their leaders who did the interviews. We had a couple of sessions where uh, they watched uh, those interviews clips and uh, and then they also brainstormed on ways how they can apply these in their day-to-day -day work. For me, uh, it was a great validation to really see a senior product owner uh, who mentioned that not only do we need to look at quant, but also we need to look at qualitative research as well. So it was well-received. Uh, a lot of people expressed an interest in continuing to participate. For us to evolve this empathy program, it's more about how do we make this an ongoing thing, right? Versus mm -hmm. a one-off thing. So we're kind of planning almost like a marketing campaign uh, for, you know, like a that goes runs year, year round, right? Are we're really looking at uh, how do we how do we make sure we are able to scale this in a way where we don't have to kill ourselves <laughs> while while doing that, and also making sure we have enough content, right, for the people that are uh, participating in these watch parties. I'd say based on the feedback that we've received so far, we're taking baby steps uh, on the way to becoming a more client centric organization. Yeah, that's awesome to hear, Harsha, um, both in the sense of thinking about more advanced ways that you can, you know, conduct research and, and different methodologies, but also figuring out a way to sort of bring the customer to life for different yeah. teams that might not be interfacing with them on a regular basis. Right. Um, so kudos to you and your team. That's awesome. And I, I you know, I think you and I know, and and likely a lot of the folks that are listening, but it's so memorable, those interviews that you have with an individual, or even just watching the recording or a clip from one at a watch party, like you mentioned, while it is a lot of work to curate that content and make it compelling and help people right. follow along, it's really powerful. And I think, you know, you think about how the, the brain sort of retains information, right? Storytelling 
and yeah. connecting with people is so much more memorable than you know looking at a pie chart or or a, you know a dashboard or even my research report. <laughs> it's second hand, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. Awesome. Well, let's move into the lightning questions. Can you share a book that you've recently read that you'd recommend to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Recently, uh, I've been reading the Jobs to be Done playbook by Jim Callback. I highly recommend this to everyone, uh, whether you're new to the Jobs to be Done concept or you've been dabbling with it for a little while. There are lots of great practical tips um, and techniques uh, on how to combine the jobs theory with some of the common research methods, whether it is like creating personas or empathy mapping exercise or like even value prop exercises, right? I really love the book um, and I've been using that and uh, trying to put things into practice, right? Uh, that's the mm-hmm. next thing to do. So yeah, I really recommend this book to everyone. Yeah. Awesome. So little little known fact, you might not know, Jim was actually a reviewer of the user-tested book. So he he read through the manuscript. Yeah, small world. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yes, that book is great. And he has a couple other books too, the customer journey mapping book. And I think he has one around web uh, navigation as well. But yeah, that's a, that's a great one to recommend. And I think that jobs to be done language resonates with so many people within an organization. I think sometimes we can be as researchers or people in UX have a certain vernacular that that we might use or words or, you know, a language that might not be applicable to everyone. And so I think that the jobs to be done framework really helps connect a lot of different teams and perspectives. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So how about a piece of advice that you'd give to someone trying to convince others to invest in customer feedback? The most practical piece of advice that I can give anyone is don't always begin uh, uh, begin with or dive deep into headlong into conducting primary research right away, right? To help answer your research questions. There's always mm-hmm. going to be a wealth of data, whether it's <clears throat> insights gleaned from other sources, analytics, you know, secondary research, or even like in our case, like customer facing associates, right? I'd want to make sure that we check all these secondary research sources to see if they help answer questions before you go in and answer uh, leftover questions, I guess, remaining questions through primary research. The the reason why I say this is, again, it it depends on the company that you are, the maturity, whether they're exposed to UX research or not, the stakeholders. So anytime we talk about UX research and time and money, right? It's not always going to be practical for us to start a research study, you know, right from scratch to be able to answer from every single question from scratch, right? So that's where, um, you know, making sure you consider all the secondary research sources that are available to you uh, will help. Um, and then it also has the added benefit uh, that your insights will be well-rounded, not just from your primary research, but you're looking at qual and quant, you end up leveraging mix methods, you know, all the, all those will only make your research insights well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, especially if there's data that exists within the organization already that you can mine, right? Like your example of the call center feed, a call center recordings, let's say, such a great source of information for you to understand your customers and it's already there, right? It's yeah. not another investment that you have to make. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. 
So when you think of the future of user experience research, um, what are you most excited about? I'm not really good at predicting the future, but uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm excited that there is uh, there has been a lot more focus on uh, inclusive research practices. So I know the past few years, um, you know, there's been a lot of awareness created, and I think it's time, at least speaking for me too, right? Um, it's time for all researchers to put the theory into practice ensure that uh, we are not marginalizing any any of our users out we need to represent all our users right so that is something that i'm really looking forward to i've, I've started incorporating some of the uh, inclusive research practices there the other thing is you know the pandemic it's not going away anytime soon it's been two years um, you know we're still going through it don't see a end in sight some of the uh, research methods that we normally do whether it's field research research, longitudinal studies, you know, things like that, that were being conducted, maybe not less of the longitudinal research, but the field research and things like that, right? That has kind of been paused, put on pause for, you know, since the pandemic began. So how do we marry the remote research tools that we have with uh, being able to conduct some of those field research to understand the context, right? So that is something um, I'm hopefully looking for uh, in terms of being able to do more of those combining, you know, without having the luxury of being sitting in someone's uh, living room and uh, observing what they do, right? Uh, how do we get to do some of those things in, from a remote context, right? So that that is something I'm hopefully looking. So as I said, it's not going to be something really exciting about the future, but it's more about how do we marry some of the techniques that we were doing previously and evolve them, uh, you know, during the pandemic and uh, and further on through remote. Right, right. Yes. And even perhaps even get to a place where we have solutions that rival yeah, doing exactly. those traditional methods. Like how do we create a remote home visit, for example? What does that right. look like? Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think your point about inclusive research and and gap and including inclusive perspectives is so important. Um, we're seeing a lot of that with our own customers as well. That their focus on it, um, goals around it. So um, it's a really interesting space, and I think it's a way where we have an opportunity to create a better, brighter future. Yes. by including the everybody's perspectives, right? Right. Yes, absolutely. And it's not just about when we think about inclusive research, it's not just only going to benefit those marginalized communities, but it will also help people that are not marginalized, their experience as well, right? right. Um, so, you know, we can go in more into depth about that, but there's lightning question around, so I'm going to <laughs> keep it short there. <laughs> Yeah, understood. All right. Well, thank you so much, Harsha. This has been fantastic. The T. Rowe Price story is, is one of my favorites that we've included in the book. And I'm so thrilled that you're able to share that with our listeners and as well as your other perspectives around the practice of research and uh, the evolution of it at T. Rowe Price. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Janelle. Want to keep the conversation going? You can visit our podcast hub, usertesting.com slash podcast, and check out past episodes. If you haven't already, 
Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or Google Play, so you can never miss a good episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. 